We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Point number six, and I'm, I'm excited about this one. The Christ-conscious believer is one who walks in his royal priesthood status without apology. The Christ-conscious believer is one who walks in his royal priesthood status or status, depending on your English or American, without apology. In other words, a Christ-conscious believer is one who understands that he is a king as well as a priest and is not apologetic about it. Again, I've always said that in the course of this teaching, these things that I'll be talking or sharing are not exhaustive teachings on the subject, but they, are, they come together to explain the concept of a Christ-conscious believer. The priesthood of all believers is a crucial element of our new creation reality. The priesthood of all believers. In other words, there is an epidemic at work in the church today whereby a lot of Christians or believers still are convinced that they are subservient or subjugated to a higher class of, of should I say, spiritual, a higher spiritual class you know, that interfaces between them and God, that interfaces between them and God. Pray for me. Please help me tell God that I have a problem. Gosh, please remember me because somehow when you pray, God hears you sharply. God hears you better. God hears you faster. And we are, we, we are convinced that there is such a separation of the classes. And that is actually quite sad because one of the crucial elements of the new creation reality that God in Christ brought the believer into is his standing as a king and as a priest. We always are quick to acknowledge principalities and powers, right? Rulers of darkness in high places, right? But when when Christ is referred to as king of kings, who are the kings you think that that scripture is referring to? Principalities and powers. That's not the boast of Christ. You are the kings that he is king of. Does that make sense? You are the lords that he is lord of because he is our king. He's king of kings. He is our lord. He's lord of lords. And the priesthood of the believers, it's expedient that you understand what that brought you into. When God, in the fullness of time, began to, or initiated the plan to deliver Israel out of Egypt um, in, in Exodus, it will interest you to find out that God's intention was that all of Israel, at the time of them being called out, all of Israel were to be kings and priests to him. 
Isn't that interesting? Look at Exodus chapter 19. Israel just pulled out a few chapters earlier from Egypt. And in, let us go from chapter 3. Verse 3, I beg your pardon. Exodus 19.3. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, if you will indeed obey my voice, please mark that, and keep my covenant, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. Now see verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom. This is Exodus 19. God is telling all of Israel. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. And you shall be to me, you, all of Israel, shall be to me a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And God said, these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. The entirety of the children of Israel were called to be a kingdom of priests. The question now becomes, at what point did Israel lose that? Such that it now had to become the tribe of Levi that had to be called out or singled out to become priests instead of all of Israel. I'll come back to that in a bit. But you understand that the law, amongst other things, the law was the type and shadow of what was to come, highlighting what, what was to come. We see that in, in Colossians 2.16. It, it talks about how now that Christ is our substance, he was here. We no longer need types and shadows. The law was also given to magnify sin. You know that in Romans 7. And then you also know from Galatians 3 that the law kept us as tutors until faith came. We also know from this that Israel was a type of the church. A type at some point, an anti-type at some point. You see in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, I think it's verse 38. You see that in Acts 7, 38, where... Israel is referred to as the church in the wilderness. From, let's go from 37. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. 38. This is he who was in the congregation. That's the word ecclesia, the word church in the wilderness. With the angel, capital A who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. Other translations translate that, that verse, the church in the wilderness. So Israel was a type of the church. Okay? Israel was a type of the church. In Exodus 19, God told Moses to tell Israel that if they obey his voice and keep his covenant, he will make them a kingdom of priests to him. Of course, the law begins to be given in chapter 20 of Exodus and goes right through. And in chapter 28, Aaron and his sons are called out 
and set apart. That's where the Levitical priesthood or the Aaronic priesthood comes into play. And you're wondering, but I thought God said, if you keep my, obey my voice and keep my covenant. That covenant couldn't have been referring to the law because God didn't look to them to keep the law before just singling out the tribe of, of Levi and making them priests as it were. The covenant, therefore, the obedience, therefore, that God was looking for or looking towards in order to enact or execute or activate the priesthood of all believers was the covenant of God in Christ. Does that make sense? So that Romans 5 begins to explain to you that just as through one man's disobedience, right? Sin came into the world and then death came unto all in the same way as by one man's obedience. So a man or a believer is said to have obeyed God in his subscription to the obedience of Christ on his behalf. Does that make sense? It's not in the things that you are doing or not doing as it is your, sub, your absolute subscription to what Jesus did because Jesus is the pleasure of God. Does that make sense? So Christ is our obedience to the Father. When you read Deuteronomy 28, you know, if you obey the Lord your God and da-da-da-da-da, these things will come upon you. If you disobey, cursed are you. But you remember that Jesus became our curse, right? Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse. As is written, cursed is he that hangs on the tree. So Christ became our curse and took the curse away. If he has taken the curse away, then he is our obedience. Does that make sense? And he translates that. So he is our right standing before the Father. Do you understand that? Christ is our right standing before the Father. Christ is our obedience before the Father. Christ is God's covenant with us kept. Because that covenant has nothing to do with us. Christ is God's covenant with us kept. Now, if we understand that, and you look at that in the light of Exodus 19, where he says, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, I will make you a kingdom of priests. Then it makes sense that now that the covenant is kept in Christ, I, I hope you're following me. I'm teaching. I hope you're catching it. If Christ is our obedience, if Christ is our right standing, if Christ is our covenant kept, it means that God's original intention for Israel is now fulfilled. Israel as a type of the church, because Israel was referred to then as the church in the wilderness. Are, we, are, we, are you following? Okay. So now that the covenant is in place and it's kept, we have all come into the priesthood as God intended. We are now in his covenant. We as believers, all of us, somebody say all of us, have all become the fulfillment of God's intention for the church. We, all of us, we have all become the fulfillment of God's intention for the church. And what's God's intention? Kings, priests, all of us. I am a king. I am a priest. 
of equal standing with every other king and priest in God's kingdom. I am not subservient to another priest or king. Another priest or king is not subservient to me. We are all a kingdom of kings and priests. Look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. Um, let me, let's find the context. You might as well just start from, from 4. Revelation 1, 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, 5, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him, Jesus Christ, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And what did the washing of our sins in his own blood bring us into? And has made us kings and priests. He has made us kings and priests unto his God and Father. That is it. So now you understand why I said it's a crucial element of the new creation reality. That we are kings and priests. The priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. He washed us with his own blood and made us, fashioned us as kings, fashioned us as priests to his God, to the Father. So every believer whose sins have been washed by the blood of the Lamb has been made a king and a priest. Every believer, there is absolutely no exception. Every believer, every believer whose sins have been washed by the blood of the Lamb have been made or has been made a king and a priest unto God. Everyone. Everyone. No exception. No separation of the classes. No superior priest or junior priest. No presiding priest or answering priest. We are all kings and priests to God. Revelation 5.10 repeats the same thing. A few chapters later. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. The Christ conscious believer appropriates, walks in his royal priesthood status without an, any apology. Any. Any apology. Revelation 5, I beg your pardon. Revelation 5 and verse 10. Again, let me back up to verse 6, verse 7. 7 or 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, 
you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to God and we shall reign on the earth. You have made us kings and priests to God. That's who we are. What do kings do? Kings rule. Kings legislate. Where the word of a king is, scripture says, there's power. Kings have authority. And every believer, therefore, has authority. And that's why I put here somewhere that we should actually refer to that teaching. It was a two-part teaching, I believe. The word, the power, and the believer. You get to understand the authority that is present in the word of the believer because the believer is a king and a priest. The believer, every believer is mandated to approach the presence of God and offer sacrifices. Not for your sin, a sacrifice of praise. You come boldly before his throne, Hebrews 4, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what priests do. You know that this is the assurance we have that we ask anything in his name according to his will. He hears us. If he hears us, we have what we ask. That's the authority you have as a believer. Every believer is a king. Every believer is a priest. Of course, there is the gift given in church leadership that sets people um, accountable for other people. But there's nothing that suggests in scripture that one believer is subservient to another, like civil service, you know. You are a priest level 12. And then another person is a priest level 17. Do you know what I mean? Another person is now a permanent secretary priest. You know, another person is now director priest. Then another person is now commissioner priest. Another person is now minister of state priest. Another person is now the real minister priest. Then another person is just level nothing priest you are just a priest apprentice <laughs> you know what i mean you you don't even have robe you know that priest that you don't have robe you wear anything you like then when we now start confirming you small small you now start rising in the rank of <laughs> priestologists <laughs> The other day I was talking about how the qualification to raise the dead and the qualification to heal the sick and the qualification to do all that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. From what we have seen in Revelation 1, what we've seen in Revelation 5, from what we've also seen in Exodus 19, what brought us into kingship and priesthood? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Not effort, nothing. So your sins were washed by the blood of Jesus, and consequently you were made into a king and a priest. Do you understand? As a direct consequence of your sins being forgiven. As your sins were forgiven, washed by his own blood, the end result of that, of the forgiveness of your sins, is that you were made a king 
and a priest. Not you will be made. You are made now. The king and priest that Israel was promised in Exodus 19. And what was the condition that Israel was promised that all of them will be a kingdom of priests if they obey his voice and keep his covenant. And at that time, you'd have thought, okay, the covenant is the law. But when God said that, he had not given the law yet. This was Exodus 19. It was Exodus 20 that he now starts off with the 10 commandments and then just goes on and starts to heap the rest upon them. So clearly that was not the covenant or the, or the law or the obedience that God was referring to when he said, if you obey my voice and keep my commandment, I will make you a kingdom. Because that obedience, like I said earlier, is now complete in Christ. Let's look at that. I know in this house, we know it. But then you know how Paul says in Philippians 3, that for me to repeat the same things to you are not a problem. Let's just read through it so that we understand this a little bit more in the light of our priesthood. So when we say that Christ is the obedience of God, you know, the believer, how do I put this? God sees the believer as obedient in the obedience of Christ, not in the obedient actions of the believer. Of course, there's always the mischievous um, adverse thought. And so does that mean that I can do whatever you like? If you are thinking like that, you are not a believer in the first place. So we don't even have time to answer those questions. No matter what it is you're doing, God is not reckoning your obedience to what you do. It's not good enough. It will never be good enough. There's a place for good works. We've talked about that over and over in this house. We talked about the responsibilities of sonship. We emphasize that a lot. We emphasize that we are a people created. Ephesians 2.10. Yeah. God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that he preordained that we should walk in. Titus 2, I think 14, also talks about how we are a people zealous for good works. Or people eager to do good. That's fine. But in the context of our salvation, it will never, you, nothing you ever did will be reckoned in your favor as obedience. If God sees a man as obedient, God sees that man as obedient only in the light of what Jesus did. I repeat, if God sees a man as obedient, God sees that man as obedient only in the light of what Jesus did. There is nothing a man does in and of himself, in and of herself, that qualifies as obedience before the Father. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, from verse 12. Thank you, Father. Romans chapter 5, from verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. And who is that one man? Adam. The prototype, right? Taking time in this house to teach that a lot. And death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, 
But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. You see that? Adam is a type of him who was to come. So whatever, that, that suggests straight away that whatever impact and implication that this first Adam's actions had on humanity would be the same kind of actions and implications that he who was to come will have on humanity. Do you understand? It cannot be different because this Adam is a type of he who was to come. So let's, let's proceed. But the free gift, 13, 15, I beg your pardon, is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. One offense brought plenty condemnation. All the offenses that multiplied on account of this one offense came together and brought about justification. Does that make sense? The judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. 17. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, the one man being Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We're getting there. 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, somebody say one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, somebody say one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. 19 is the one I'm excited about. For, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So who's, how do I ask this question now? What quantity of obedience <laughs> is in question? Or the, how Holy Spirit? It is not multiple obediences that are in question. It's just as it's not multiple disobediences that were the problem. Why were we in trouble? One man committed an offense. Adam, Adam, Adam. Everybody that came from Adam arrived 
offended and therefore offensive. Does that make sense? Because you came as a product of offense. You came loaded with offense. And that's why I've told you guys jokingly a few weeks ago that that's how a freshly born baby knows how to bite nipples because they are hungry. Who taught them that? Adam. A baby arrives with major anger issues. Have you noticed? Brand one hour old baby. They can't see yet. And they start to rake and cry. Feed me. I will charge for you. Bite you. Where did they learn that from? They arrived offended. So they are offensive. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's how it One man's offense. Everybody that is born is born in offense, by offense, through offense, and therefore is offensive. Child will bite your nip, hold it tight. You're wondering who taught you this thing? It's in the blood. So everybody's disobedient because Adam was disobedient. And Paul says here that Adam is a type of he who was to come. Now, from that one person's disobedience, it cascades down the world. And then he who was to come came. Hallelujah. And stood and fulfilled that which was required of the law. And by virtue of his Singular obedience. I repeat, if God will reckon a man as obedient, God reckons a man obedient in what Christ did to obey the Father. Because Christ came and corrected what Adam did. So if I arrived a sinner because of what Adam did, then now I am righteous because of what Christ did. And the moment believers understand and accept that they are righteous because of what Christ did, their sins are forgiven, washed by the blood of the Lamb, and the result of that is they are now made. They are produced. They are crafted as kings and priests. And that was exactly what was made available to the first Adam. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Actually, let's even go from chapter 1. 27. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Hallelujah. Just pay pay attention to that. Then go to chapter 2. Chapter 2 from verse 19. Genesis 2.19. You see, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, replenish, have dominion. Genesis 2.19. 
out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Can you see dominion at play? You see authority at play? Kingship privilege at play. Priesthood application at play. And brought them, God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he will call them. See the next line. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. At no single time. Let's finish verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. Of course, for Adam, there was no found helper comparable to him. Yeah. But do you see that? Whatever Adam named the animals, that was its name. Is it such authority? Whatever Adam named them, so they were. And the word of a king, there's power. God did not negate what Adam declared those things to be. Because God created Adam to have dominion, to replenish, to rule the earth, to tend the earth. And by the forgiveness of sins, by the redemption through his blood, we have been made kings and priests. We have the same authority at work in us today. All of us. All of us. All of us. All of us. Now, I, I know it's, it's tough to deal with. Because, you know, we are very good at outsourcing stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. please, pastor, please pray for me. And there's nothing wrong with us praying for you. But there's everything wrong with you not understanding that we have the exact same access that you have. Yes, That's a major problem. That's not a question of you asking, you know, for strengthening as it were. It's sometimes it's you thinking... Uh, you are not in a position at all to approach God. No, we are approaching him, how? Through the obedience of Christ. We are approaching him through the standing that we have with God through Christ. Because you see, Christ became for us righteousness, right? 1 Corinthians 1.30. He became for us righteousness. So if we are reckoned righteous, we are reckoned righteous in Christ. Christ is the interface. And, 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 and that's the access that all of us have. Nobody has more access than the other. Nobody. It's a priesthood of all believers. It's authority that we all have. It's power that we all have. It, even when it, it was talking about the miraculous, it says, the signs shall follow them that believe. Not them that were ordained. Hallelujah. Not them that went to Bible school. Not them that studied theology. This sign shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall. So much more happens in the priesthood of believers once we understand and are willing to admit that nobody is higher than the other person.
And you know, most times as pastors, we don't want to, to tell you. Because you too, church members, you don't want to have sense. It's the truth. You know, a lot of what happens in church, in the teaching of grace, is just people that have not received the gospel in their heart. Most people have just received it in their head. Because if the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, it teaches them. That's what the Bible says in Titus. It teaches them to flee ungodly lusts. The grace of God appearing to men teaches them to flee. The grace of God is not license for nonsense. But it takes a level of understanding to teach that, listen, Matthew 23, I think, I want to read it in the message and even see how TPT puts it. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. Okay. So it's 23 verse 8 to 10 in the message. Just nicely put. Matthew 23, 8 to 10. Don't let people do that to you, put you on a pedestal like that. You all have a single teacher and you are all classmates. Matthew 23, 8. You all have a single teacher and you are all classmates. Don't set people up as, as experts over your life, letting them tell you what to do. Save that authority for God. Let him tell you what to do. No one else should carry the title of father. You have only one father and he's in heaven. And don't let people maneuver you into taking charge of them. There's only one life leader for you and them, Christ. Now someday, I'll explain the context of this because you see again, what's happening in the church is that people get up and then read this scripture and tell themselves, I don't need a pastor. I don't need a leader. It's just Christ Nobody is responsible for me. That's witchcraft. That's not what this is, is dealing with. This is dealing with the teachers of the law and the, the fact that they were trying to usurp the authority of Christ over the people. Yeah, that's the context of this. But we are all classmates because we are all kings and we are all priests. We are all kings and we are all priests. First Peter 2 5. In fact, we'll go right, right down to 9. First Peter 2 5. First Peter 2 5. Let me read it in the NET, the New English Translation. You yourselves as living stones <laughs> Ooh. are built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. You yourselves. You yourselves. As living stones. Are built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. And to offer spiritual sacrifices. That are acceptable to God. Through Jesus Christ. You. Yourself. You yourself. You yourself, you your lively stones, built up as a spiritual house and built up as a holy priesthood 
so that you can do what? So that you can offer spiritual sacrifice. You are the priest now. So do you know what worship is now for the New Testament believer? The priestly manifestation. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, right? Hebrews 13. The fruit of our lips, blessing his name. What are you doing there? You are operating in your priestly office. Your worship is acceptable to God. Uh, 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 Romans, is it Romans 12.1? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, right? That you present your, or offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It's not saying that you should make your sacrifice holy and acceptable. It's saying that what you are offering is holy and acceptable because you are a holy priesthood. Do you understand? You are a holy priesthood. That you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your reasonable act of worship. What is that? A priestly manifestation. Because you now are a kingdom of priests. You now are a royal priesthood. You are perpetually sanctified in the presence of the Father. So you have access. You constantly come. Anytime, any day, anywhere, regardless of what's going on, you have the right to lift up your hands and say, Father, I worship you. And you know that that is instantly acceptable in his presence because he has made you a priest. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not your fasting or your consecration. It's the fact that your sins have been forgiven by the blood of the lamb that has made you a priest. And so at any time, because you are adorned perpetually in the righteous garments of Jesus, you don't lose it. Do you understand? You can't stain it. You can't get rid of it. You can't contaminate it. So at any point in time, you can wake up. Paul says, I will that men lift up holy hands anywhere, giving God praise because you are in right standing with him. You are a priest, sir. You are a priest, yes, beloved. You are a priest. Yes, you are constantly adorned in the effort of his righteousness. You are constantly adorned in the linen of access. You constantly have access to the holy place. You don't come and say, Father, we come into your presence. No, no, no. The presence is in you. You are in the presence. Perpetually, you have access. Nobody is praying for you. Nobody is worshipping for you. Nobody is sowing seed for you. You have access. You come boldly. And at this point, you must be able to deal with every foul spirit of self-righteousness. Every foul spirit of inadequacy. Listen to me. It is pride for you to think at some point that you are not qualified to approach God. Repent. It's pride for you to be praying and say, Father, oh, I am not worthy. To come before your throne is pride. Repent is foolishness. Who told you you're not worthy? Were you worthy when he died for you? God commended his love towards us in this manner. Romans 5.8 That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for, for the ungodly. So it's not a function of, oh, I, I prayed today for one hour. You know how you will feel. You feel like, where's that devil today? I woke up this morning, I prayed in the, in, in the tongues for, for one hour. I read 
two chapters of the Old Testament, two chapters of the New Testament, two chapters from Psalms. Because you see, Psalms alone is a testament. <laughs> those, one, those 150 chapters. You have to also treat Psalms like its own testament. Psalms is the mid-testament. You know, you have the Old Testament. You have the New Testament. You now have the, the mid-testament. <laughs> so, you, okay, now you now added one chapter of Proverbs so you can have small sense. You know, uh-huh. so you read two of the old, two of the mid, two of the new, one of the sense. You now prayed in the, in the Holy Spirit for one hour, Jesus. You are like any priest, any, any devil spirit, any, anything that is going to come at me today. I'm ready for you. That's pride and self-righteousness. You know what you have just done? You have made the grace of God of no effect in your life. Are we saying... Don't read the Bible. If that's what you heard, then you are very, very mischievous. That's not what we're saying. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and in all wisdom. Paul makes that very clear. Scripture makes that clear. I commend you to God and the word of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are being sanctified. Yeah. The word of God does that. We're dwelling in the word. We, are, we eat the word. We, we are grown by the word. But that you will not feel that your, your spiritual stature, as it were, is a function of watch of a physical exercise that you think has spiritual connotations that you did. That's pride. That's pride. It's what he did. He did what he did, knowing what, this, what struggles you will go through. That's why he went in once and for all. And what he bought for you was access that can never be stolen. What he bought for you is access that can never be corrupted. What he bought for you is access that can never be hindered. What he bought, I mean, how would you think for God's sake that there's something you do now that stands in the way of you approaching the Father when every day Satan is still going there to have conversations? What makes Satan worthy to show up in the presence of your father every day, to tell your father how business is going. You are here. You don't talk to God. You don't let him know what's happening to you. You don't talk to your pastors. You don't talk to your leaders. Satan, 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 the God of this age, goes to give God report every day. And Satan does not stand at the door of heaven waiting for clearance or no, no, no. You see, it's not. It's not just direct. Job chapter one, so some people can understand this thing. It's not even just the direct. That's the issue. You, you will see. Job chapter one, verse six. You see there, he says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. You see that? There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Who did Satan come among? Sons of God. 
Who, who acknowledged his presence first? God. And God says, ah, from when do you come? And Satan says, of course, from to and fro. Job chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. No, did you, did you, did you see that? Yes, sir. Sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan too came inside sons of God to do exactly what sons of God came to do. He too came to present himself before the Lord. Like, Lord, here, here, here I am. Inspect me now. We are checking everybody else out to see how, how they're doing, how, how they've been, if they're okay, if nothing is, is out of place with them and if everything is functioning with them as normal. Well, yo pops, here I am. Check me out. The message says, one day when the angels came to report to God, Satan also showed up. God singled out Satan, saying, what have you been up? You don't see any protocol involved. Sons of God are showing up, Satan shows up. Sons of God are showing up to present themselves before the Lord, Satan shows up. Straight up. Straight up. And then you, a believer, Purchased by the blood of God. Acts 20, 28. Whom God purchased with his own blood. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood. Ephesians 1, Colossians 1. The forgiveness of sins. He has washed us of our sins in his blood. Ephesians, Revelation 1, 6. And made us a kingdom of kings and priests to our God. You allow somebody whisper in your ear that you are not worthy to approach the throne of grace. Who bewitched us? Mock. Why? How did the church get to that point where we have convinced sons of God, precious sons of God, that there are times in their lives when they cannot show up before their father or that they need to come through us to show up before their father. That is manipulation at its highest level. That any pastor, bishop, reverend, von, venerable, apostle that will place themselves above the saints of God or place themselves as intermediaries between men and God. That's antichrist. We are all a kingdom of kings and priests to our God. All of us. No exceptions. All of us. And if you're going to misbehave because we have told you that, misbehave your way into be behaving. Yeah. Then that we will hide it from you so we can control you. 
Grapple with it and let the Spirit of God be able to guide you into it so you understand that you, you yourselves, are being built up as a spiritual house, lively stones, a holy priesthood to make sacrifices to God of praise acceptable to Him. Because you have access, you are never going to lose it. That access was guaranteed not by what you did, so it cannot be lost by what you do. It's guaranteed by He who is the covenant of the Father fulfilled. 1 Peter 2, we are in 5, right? Let's, let's finish this. Like Pastor Ugo will always say, I hope that with these few words of mine, 1 Peter 2, 5, and you also as living stones have been built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, through Christ, therefore, verse 6, it is also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. 7. 7. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So this applies only to those who are disobedient. And of course, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. They, the disobedient ones. But verse 9, but you, somebody say but you. But you are a chosen generation. You know, we have said this thing from um, children's church. And I wonder if we ever really understood the import of what we have been declaring. Or if the church itself understood it enough to make that the reality of the believers. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. You will not be a holy nation. You are a holy nation. So now you see why I said to you, Romans 12, that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God or in view of the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. It's not telling you to make yourself a living sacrifice and make that sacrifice holy. Do you understand? It's telling you, you present yourself because you, you, you are a living sacrifice. You are holy now like this. As you offer something to God, it is holy because you are sanctified, because you are consecrated, because you are a priest. You don't need consecration for yourself like Aaron, the Aaronic priest who did. You have access. Let us therefore now come boldly before the throne. Before the throne. Please hear me. The access to the presence of God. Please do not confuse how scary it is to visit some pastors. To conclude that it is that scary to approach God. Me, like this, I know exactly what I'm talking about. To enter some pastor's office when I was growing up. <laughs> you almost write your will. As you are opening the door, 
you are hitting the floor. You use your knees to trek the remainder of the journey. Your pastor is looking at you like, Yes, what can I do for you? You start to stammer. Stammering that makes Moses sound like he had no speech impediment at all. And you know, we have, and unfortunately for some of us, even our biological parents, you know, some of you, you're, you're afraid to enter your daddy's room or mommy's room. And you know, we have come to God like that. Like God, you have to be careful. That's how you will just fart in God's presence. He will just slap you. That's how you would say one joke that he would just, just, just do something to you. No, but Jesus said to them, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father. He gave us access. Can you think about the fact that all of this is a love story? That all of this happened because God fell in love with sinners and then set about sanctifying them so they can always have access. So if God fell in love with you as a sinner, please think about it carefully. He fell in love with you as a sinner when you had nothing to offer. You couldn't come to him. He, he came to you. What are you saying? He came to you. He came to you in a form that you could relate with. And he gave himself up for you. Is it now that God is about to strike you because you did something you can't come before his presence? You have not so learned Christ. You have not so received Christ. Your sins are forgiven. You have perpetual right standing with God. You can lift up your hands anytime, anywhere and know that it is holy because of what Christ did. You know that I am a priest. My garments are pure. My standing is sure. I am in the covenant because Christ is the fulfillment of the covenant. I am standing in obedience because Christ became my obedience. I am standing in righteousness because Christ became my righteousness. And because he is a high priest, he has to have other priests that give sacrifices. And that is why I have come into that priesthood. Because I, priest Alexander Victor, has a high priest over me. I, King Alexander Victor, has a king over me. He's king of kings. He's king of this king. This king. I talk like one. I legislate like one. I move like one. I act like one. I eat like one. I think like one. I declare like one. I teach like one. I decree like one. I'm a chosen generation. You legislate. Once you understand that, you're no longer walking in fear. You're not walking in fear. Meekness is not weakness. You can stand and exert your place. When you hear people like that say that you can never fail and examine your life. You think it's pride. No, if you understand that you are a king and you are a priest, 
then nothing can stand in your way. How can a human being set an example that you as a king and priest fail? How did you manage to successfully fail? How? When you understand the mind of your father. How? Imagine Jesus feeling an exam. At 12 years old, 12, 12 years old, he bamboozled the teachers of the law of his day. And he grew in stature and wisdom, the Bible says. Favor with God and man. And then you are here. You are here. Sins forgiven, redeemed, set free, infilled with the Holy Spirit, drafted into kingship, drafted into priesthood. Uncle, harness the access that you have. Walk in it. Walk in it. It might not look like it. Enforce it. Don't give up. You're feeling sick. Lay your hands on yourself. Declare it. Don't tire. Keep declaring it. You're believing God for something. Keep saying it. Because as you say it, that's what shall be. You remember what I showed you about it, Adam? That every animal God brought to him to see what he would name. Whatever Adam named them, so they were. Do you understand how important that is? Whatever Adam called them, so they were. And if you now are in that point and even greater than the first Adam, you can legislate your life around you with your words. You can decree around you with your words. You can decree what kind of life quality you should have around you. And keep at it until it becomes it. Because in your mouth, there is power. In your word, there is power. You can approach the Lord anytime, anytime, anywhere and offer a sacrifice of praise and know that it is acceptable before him because you're a priest of perpetual good standing with the Father because of Jesus. You would cease to tolerate spiritual mediocrity in your life. You know, you know mediocrity. Just to settle. You just manage. Let me just, you know, let me not now, now make it look like I'm, I'm doing too much. Oh, you know, no, no, no. We're not, we're, not, we're not turning down the volume of life. Oh, we are kings and priests. We are kings and priests. We school principalities and powers on the manifold wisdom of God. Ephesians 3.10, right? We tell them that this is what the power of God looks like. This is what the power of God looks like. This is what the expression of God's wisdom looks like. Remember when we said a while ago in, our, in this local church that we have the boardroom advantage. Yeah. You get into a place. Somebody reads what you have to say. Somebody hears what you have to say. And they can tell there's something different about this person. There's something different about this person. That's kingship. That's priesthood. Lively stones. That's what God made us. So you see why everything is tied to the salvation package? Yeah. It's like you saw in Revelation 1. Your, your sins were forgiven. They were washed by the blood of the Lamb. And therefore you were made a king. So you excel. Lastly, you also will never be oppressed by devils in your life. You won't even think about them. 
as a king and a priest. You know how, oh, oh, this is a headache. Oh, especially African Christians. Headache. Ah, every attack from the devil. You know, we make, we make him so powerful. And sometimes while you think the devil is attacking you, guess where the devil is? In the presence of God. Gisting with God. While you are out here blaming the devil for your misfortune. But the devil never misses his appointment with the father. Sons of God are showing up. The guy shows up. And you are constantly devil, 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 how? And you are saying the devil is after, after me. The devil is in the presence of God. That you are afraid to go because you are not worthy. Colossians says he has qualified us to come into the inheritance of the saints. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We rule in the earth. We reign in the earth. We take charge in the earth. We multiply in the earth. We legislate in the earth. We declare, declare in the earth. We decree in the earth. We confess, we profess in the earth. We make utterances of the supernatural and they come to pass. Because we are kings and we are priests and we have the authority baton handed over to us by the work of Christ and what that has brought us into. With no apology, people. You are a king and a priest. You are a king and a priest. Your pastor has no deeper access to God than you do. He doesn't. She doesn't. Nobody has deeper access to God than the other. The question is a question of consciousness. The Christ conscious believer walks in their royal priesthood status without apology. Somebody is sick. Declare the counsel of God. There is lack. Declare the counsel of God. There's confusion. Declare the counsel of God. You feel like something is not going the way it ought to go. Legislate the counsel of God. You have that authority. You don't like what is going on around you. Name it what it should be. Whatever you name it, it shall be. Adam had that right. You can't have less. Name it and it shall be. And he doesn't respond. It's just like it appears that we do not see all things subject to him. Hebrews 2. Keep declaring it. Keep declaring it. Your persuasion will be tested. But hey, your priesthood is sure. Your kingship is sure. It is what it is. Hallelujah. Can we just pray in spirit for a few moments? Hallelujah. I am a king. And I am a priest. You better make some confessions. I have access. I have equal standing before the Father. I come boldly. My sacrifice is holy. My sacrifice is acceptable. My sacrifice is pure before the Father at all times. Jesus paves the way 
Jesus gave me access. Jesus is my access. He's my access. He's my access. Wherever you are, just make those confessions. Open your mouth and make those confessions. I decree a thing and it comes to pass. Open your mouth and say it. I, decree, I have the power to reverse situations. I have the power to reverse circumstances. I have the power to change the condition of things around me. I am not my condition. I am not my situation. I have the authority to enforce the counsel of God in my sphere of influence. I have the authority of the Father to legislate the counsel of God over the affairs of men. I have the authority, I have the audacity in the name of Jesus to enforce and establish the will of God around me. I am a king, I am a priest. In my mouth, there is power. I'm declaring for myself, I can't hear you, but I'm hoping you're doing the same thing. In my mouth, there is power. In my mouth, there is authority. In the name of Jesus to enforce the will of God around me. I cannot fail. I cannot be mediocre. I cannot be weak. I cannot be subservient. I cannot be disadvantaged. I cannot be taken advantage of. I cannot be manipulated. I cannot be deceived. I cannot be cheated. I cannot be conned. I cannot be scammed because I am a king. I am a priest. I cannot be defrauded. In the name of Jesus, I have rights and privileges as a king. I offer sacrifices of praise acceptable before God. I lift up my hands at any time in any place and heaven reckons with me. Heaven reckons with me. Oh, go on, go on, go on. Make those declarations. Make those declarations. Heaven reckons with me. Heaven reckons with me. The father responds to me. I have the father's ears. I have the Father's ears. I have the Father's ears. I have the Father's attention. The Father is constantly favorably inclined towards me. The Father is constantly favorably inclined towards me. I release the will of the Father. I'm a carrier of the will of God in the earth. I'm a dispenser of the counsel of God in the earth. I walk in succor. I walk in solace. I walk in comfort. I understand the fullness of what is available to me in Christ. And I understand I have the office of a priest. And I have the office of a king to maximize it. And to cause it to bear physically in my life around me. I, I cost to exert it on my health, on my strength, on my academics, on my relationship. In everything that has to do with me. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I take full authority. I leverage on it. I leverage on it in speech. I leverage on it in my declarations. I leverage on it in my thinking. I choose to change my thinking. I choose to renew my mind and transform my mind so I can speak only as kings speak and I can speak only as priests speak. Open your mouth and make those declarations in your understanding. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing you. Your spirit has to hear your voice as you declare this statements of faith. Declare your priesthood. Declare your kingship in the earth. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Such a privilege, such an authority that we have been brought into as sons of God to be priests unto our God. Yes. <laughs> to not need somebody to lead us 
to offer gifts and sacrifices, but that we can come boldly and offer sacrifices of praise. We can come boldly and give him the fruit of our lips. We can come boldly and bless his name and know that it is acceptable. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. As we walk in this, Lord, we appropriate the authority we have as kings and priests. And we, even now, speak reversals of every unfavorable condition in the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus, we command every unfavorable condition to align with your will. Because every unfavorable circumstance to align with your will. We declare the counsel of God. We declare your kingdom in every unfavorable circumstance. In the name of Jesus, we cause a reversal of everything that brings or has the foreboding to bring embarrassment, to bring shame, to bring reproach, to bring discomfort, to bring inconvenience. We put a stop to it and we thank you that light shines in it and it aligns in obedience to Christ. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.